Bibles tonight, would you turn with me to the book of Galatians? And tonight it's a confrontation with doctrinal hypocrisy. And uh, this is the famous confrontation of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter as they come to heads uh, with one another. And the Apostle Peter calls out uh, Paul, or Apostle Paul calls out Peter uh, on his actions. We're going to look at verses 11 uh, through 21. Uh, Paul had an unwavering challenge to the church at Antioch, and there's a revival going on at the church of Antioch. And uh, the Jewish brethren and the, Jew, the Judaizers, they did not want the revival at Antioch to continue. And so there's some pushback, there's a lot of friction, a lot of conflict, there's schisms, and, uh, and so this is what the atmosphere of what's going on here. Let's look at verse 11, and we're going to read through verse 21 here in Galatians chapter 2 uh, this evening. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. A word, dissimulation, is also hypocrisy. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the work, excuse me, by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for being our gracious Savior. And Father, I just yield tonight to you. Lord, I pray for this passage of Scripture, that Father, the truths that are presented, the word of God that is preached, Lord, help my lips to be accurate. And Lord, may we just see the encouragement. Father, as the Apostle Paul says, listen, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you're from. The gospel is still the same for all people. And Lord, I pray that that would be true in our hearts and our minds as we live that out. And so, Father, may you be glorified tonight. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, at first, at Antioch was really the first genuine attempt uh, to evangelize Gentiles. And we find this here. Uh, Peter now had been sent to the house of Cornelius there, as you have the famous scenario of the sheet and all these unclean animals. And, Lord, I've never eaten anything, anything unclean, as you find in Acts 10. And a revival had broken out here in Antioch. And there's a massive influx of Gentiles into the church. Well, 
You can imagine how attractive Christianity would have been. There was in that day a lot of the, uh, theological just kind of nonsense, a lot of uh, burdens, and much like we have today. There was those things going on. There was a, a moral decadence, or there was all this moral debauchery just over and over in an abundance of wickedness and, and drunkenness and all sorts of immorality. And so now with this, these people, as the Gentiles, they're coming into the church, they're new believers, they're totally foreign to the things of God, and as they come in, they are, uh, you know, they're enamored by some of the strict rules of the Jewish people. I mean, they're turning from a life of licentiousness and open, you know, just open wickedness, and they're wanting something. How can I, you know, we like, we like many times, you know, if we're trying to go from one extreme, uh, our, we're like, well, I want, you know, one, two, three, just give me exactly what I need to do. And so this is where the Judaism and the Judaizers, as they're trying to give all these rules, this is somewhat of an attraction to these Gentiles. And, uh, you know, they would have been obviously insulted by some of the Jewish dietary laws, but the other things they would have uh, gone towards. You know, and, and the Christians offered them grace, you know, salvation by grace through faith alone. And as you see this, you know, they're just realizing what's going on, and God's doing a tremendous work of the church at Antioch. And soon the Gentiles here in this church are going to, the Gentiles will outnumber the Jews. Well, that's a problem. Not a problem, but to those who are of a different opinion. And so the church in Jerusalem and the Judaizers there, they viewed this with great alarm. And so they send Barnabas to Antioch. What in the world's going on? You know, and Barnabas is so excited, and Paul or Peter is so excited with what is going on in the church in Antioch, and man, they're having salvations and baptisms, and things are growing, and, and all of this zeal, and people are excited. And these Judaizers trying to curb this. Well, you must do it this way. You need to follow the Jewish law. We're, we're making them unto Christ, but we're making some new religion and, and all this stuff, and, and we're not following Jewish tradition. We're not making them Jews, as many. And so they feel threatened. And in this scenario, as Peter and eventually Barnabas come, something happens. And the Apostle Paul comes after Peter. He had played two-faced. You know, when he first arrived here at Antioch, Peter was very friendly with all the Gentiles. And as some of these other Jews start to come and inspect it, if you would, is it really what it should be? Is it really a, is it like the mother church, as the thought would go? You know, people would love to, for Peter, and they would just be awed by him. And so the, the Antioch church was, was drawn to Peter, and he had a following. You know, they, they had the Apostle Paul, they had Peter. I mean, everything's going well. Peter comes, and then started the Jews start coming. And, you know, and Peter loves all the attention he's getting. And then something happens. With all the hospitality of the Gentiles, Peter's there, the Jews start coming, and now he gravitates to the Jews and abandons the Gentiles who've just been treating him very well. Well, as you can imagine, there's quite a bit of hurt. And the Apostle Paul, he calls him out on it. 
I mean, if you want to think about it, he let him have it straight between the eyes. He didn't mince words. He said, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. And Peter's hurting these young believers. He condemned him, if you would take it that way. And we find in verse 12, for before the certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Paul notes the cowardice of Peter. Now, I want you to think about, if we were to apply that to today, if someone's here and, and, they, and they gravitate to one group and then another group comes and, and now they leave this group to go with this group, abandoning this group, making this group feel very uh, lonely. Well, as you can uh, as, uh, you know, understand and, and would suspect, there would be great hurt. And this church in Antioch, which God has done a great work, Apostle Paul says, I can't let this happen. That he dissembled, that there is a hypocrisy, in this dissimulation, the hypocrisy of all of this. He's preaching a gospel for all people, but yet he only gravitates to the Jews. And, and that's a, you know, we can get in our ways sometimes, you know, uh, with young believers, and sometimes they're not always doing things correct, and you know, young believers or non-believers who are coming into the church, and sometimes they may not be doing things uh, that we would uh, maybe necessarily approve of, and, and they're learning and they're growing, and maybe they say some things off, but understanding if there's some eagerness to grow and showing some, you know, some deference on them. The newcomers arrived from Jerusalem and they're intimidated by this apostle, you know, James, and, and then Peter is also giving great credibility to the Jews over the Gentiles. The agreement, there was an agreement reached at Jerusalem, as we had mentioned last week, with the apostles that Paul was indeed God's man. He was given the same message, the doctrine's the same. And, you know, there's certain ones who came from James, as we note in verse 12. And uh, in this very passage, the fact is that of those coming from James, they're of, again, a, a very strict Jewish mentality. Well, here's, you know, when missions goes forth, there may be ways of interacting with people in different countries, different parts of the country, different regions of a country that are a little bit different than the way we might do it. It's not inherently wrong. It's just different. And as James would be there in Jerusalem with a very strict Jewish mentality, cultures, traditions, all of those. And now in Antioch, the Gentiles, they don't know all this stuff. They're not encumbered by all the legal, you know, religious bondage. And so these people are trying to inspect that they are the, you know, the purveyors or the, the inspectors of all that is right. Peter had gone over ground before, but he caved in, turning down invitation, fearing them which were of the circumcision, And this church, which is growing, is about 
to face extreme opposition. And it's in a, you know, when young believers, they're very vulnerable to being hurt. Vulnerable to uh, being pushed out. Shakespeare would have put it, was the most unkindest cut of all. It was hypocritical and it was disastrous. But what is even more, I think, astounding, the Apostle Paul, is Barnabas in 13. He said, how in the world? Barnabas is an encourager. Barnabas is the one that took me when my eyes were blind. And he said, how is this possible? That Barnabas should be drawn in to the crowds. And we're going to hurt all these young believers. There's a great disappointment. In so much that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. I mean, the people, these Gentile believers had a high view of Peter. Potentially even to an inappropriate level of idolizing him. Here's Peter, the very first 12 disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd cut the ear off the soldier. He'd walked on water. I mean, imagine all the stuff that Peter's done, and all of this word is getting back to these Gentiles. I mean, they're just like, wow, Peter. A fisherman whom God got a hold of. He denied Jesus three times, and now God's used him mightily. The Apostle Paul is just broken. And he says, you're not going to do this to the church here at Antioch. You're not going to be the hypocrite that's going to ruin this church. Whether you're trying to or not, Paul, Peter, you need to stop it. And there's weeping and maybe pleading with him and arguing and praying. In 2 Peter chapter 3, that, would you look with me here at 2 Peter 3, and we'll come back and look at verses 14 through 21, but 2 Peter chapter 3, I mean, this is a very uh, dire circumstance when there is such a harshness against new believers or young believers. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Now, here we find the apostle Peter coming to his senses under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. You know, there's some that are trying to twist the scriptures to their own destruction. And Peter, as Paul, withstands him to the face, and Paul stands up to him. Paul probably wasn't, you know... Paul was probably many times, as you look in Scripture, probably a little bit more harsh. But nevertheless, Paul had such a love for these churches. And Peter comes to the realization, as we find in the Scriptures, by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, realizing that these Judaizers are really twisting Scriptures. So I ought not to show any deference to them. I ought not to show any partiality or bias towards them. And so Paul, now he does have something here that's amazing. In verse 14 and verse 11, he said, I withstood him to the face. He does it in a private matter. You know, and verse 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I sent him to, but then he brought it before all. I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew. He said, but he understands, you know, private sins dealt with privately, public sins dealt with publicly. And Peter's 
public bias is affecting the whole congregation. So he says, I have to do it before all. They said, before all, as it says here, before them all, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as Jews. He says, Peter, you don't live like the, Gen the Jews. You don't do all these holidays and feasts and everything else. Why would you try to bring Gentiles who are not familiar with Jewish customs, which is not required by God, back into this legal system? And Peter's actions are a threat to the liberty of believers. And those, Peter lived after the manner of the Gentiles, as you and I do. And again, liberty as a Christian is at stake. There's so many times in churches, these things that are trying to bind and create all of these things. If you're a real Christian, you will... And if it's not aligning with the scriptures and there's not, or principles, then you're creating a lot of additional heartache. You know, if you wear wire rim glasses, there's certain things, and, and there, you know, there's things that down through the, <laughs> the decades that have come and gone as fads within Christianity. If, you know, if you wear this or you do this, then, you know. But, I mean, there's clear principles in scripture that give us ideas, but it can be taken too far. Uh, too far in regards to, uh, regards to fellowship with another. And as Paul now deals with this, he comes to an open discussion with the very problem of the Judaism, the Judaizers trying to put in legalism, which legalism, as we know, legalism is adding works to the faith to bring about salvation. And that is completely heresy. It's wrong. In verse 15, we who are uh, Jews by nature, not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So Paul here, as he's laying this out, he's giving the truths. He says, listen, we are not, I mean, he, he lays it before all, he he condemns Peter before them all, which that would have kind of broken, <laughs> that would have laid some, you know, stirred up some dust there and, and maybe created some contention. But he says, for the sake of the gospel, the purity of the gospel, the purity of the church, he says, we've got to do it this way. I'm not going to change. This is what is truth. Judaism and Judaizers they're trying to strip us of what Christ did for us. The law condemns, as the scriptures tell us, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You know, in Romans 7, 7, I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Verse 9 and 10 of Romans chapter 7, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. The law is holy, but I am carnal, sold under sin. And that's verses, uh, you can look at Romans chapter 7, verses 9 through 14 for the full context of that. But the law never justifies. It only condemns. And, and I know I've dealt with this a lot recently. 
The judge might issue a pardon, but that's not the law. That's the grace given. Years ago, there was a story of a gentleman who had purchased a Rolls Royce. He was a rather wealthy Englishman. And he takes this Rolls Royce to the south of France. And he goes on a vacation. It breaks down. So he wires back. Obviously, if he's doing wiring, (laughs) telegrams and those sorts of things back then, uh, it's quite a ways back. Anyways, he wires back to the factory, and the company uh, flew a mechanic from England down to where he was to fix the vehicle. And then the mechanic flew back. That would be pretty nice, right? Flying a mechanic when you buy a vehicle. But anyways, he flew, the, he flew back to the south of France and repairs the car, and he goes back on his way and, and gets the man on his way. Well, this wealthy, gentle Englishman, he expects to receive a large bill in the mail for this repair. Now, he was a wealthy man, and so it was not a, a, a difficulty to pay whatever may have been due. And so he writes to the company, and he says, what am I owing on this? And they respond to him, dear sir, we have no record of anything ever having gone wrong with your car. This is what it means to be justified. We have no record of anything that you've done wrong. And as I've mentioned many a time over, the word justify is just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. God has no record of anything. The law cannot justify a guilty man, but Jesus can. And so what these people are doing, these Judaizers, and what is so... And this is where I have a real issue... Uh, and there's this heavy emphasis with this Calvinism and these other things that Calvinism, and, and this, for as they preach salvation, they try to preach a lordship salvation. And what I mean by lordship is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior by faith, you must also make him lord of all your life, give up all your bad things, and, and, and not just recognize you're a sinner, but like you need a full reformation at the time of salvation. The problem is, is this, that is the whole process of sanctification. So you're trying to make justification and sanctification and mix them up. The whole Christian life of trying to be holy for Christ, they're trying to blend. You can't take an infant and make him an adult overnight. It doesn't happen. And that's the problem with this lordship salvation that they must, you know, they must... Well, a new believer is going to have some weird... I mean, they're going to... You know, especially the older they are and, 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 and the, the more sin that they've been in, they're going to have some weird quirks. They're going to still have some remnants of the old lifestyle. And, and as they go along, the Spirit of God's going to convict them and say, this is wrong, and, and then and they'll move forward. So what... The, again, I, I, I can't... It just bothers me, this whole lordship salvation. And it is huge... Uh, we haven't seen it too much in this area, but there's certain parts of the country uh, down in the States. I know it's very big, this whole Calvinism and push for lordship salvation. And it is wrong. But the fact in this, again, it's putting laws which are not in Scripture. If the Bible doesn't speak on it, then it's not 
it's not what God, you know, the Bible is our standard. Verse 17, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, which is again, the omission, the, the wiping out of all my sins, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. You know, and, and these Jews, they look with contempt upon the Gentiles. You know, if someone was raised in a Christian home and you grow up, and then you come to faith in Jesus Christ at whatever time during your lifestyle, when someone who has lived a life of sin, they accept Christ, they're going to have a lot more scars than maybe someone who's grown up in a Christian home. They're going to have a lot more potential language and things that they might do that they don't realize how bad it is until they get some instruction. Discipleship. And it's easy to want to push them aside, get rid of them with these scars of sin. These Jews want to put these Gentiles out as some dirty dogs because that's a tradition of Judaism, not Christianity. And so these Jews are still thinking, well, we we want someone that's within the box of what we're comfortable with. Somehow a thinking that the Jews, the Gentiles are worse sinners than the Jews. But if while we seek to be justified, verse 18, but for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And What's Paul saying here? I mean, this is still in this conversation with Peter in a public fashion as he's scolding Peter for such a mistake. Peter missed the mark. Christ revealed to us our true condition. If I try to, you know, if we're trying to, he's saying here in verse 18, if I'm trying to rebuild the whole justification by the law, if I'm trying to, re, you know, Peter's trying to do that as he's showing a preference and a bias and a, and a schism towards the Jews. What he's doing is trying to rebuild all of the law. The law has been destroyed. The law has been finished by Christ, but it's been destroyed. It's all of God's grace. When a person sets about to rebuilding something that he once acknowledged was useless and fit only for demolition, what is he doing? He is implying that he had made a mistake. He's saying, Peter, you are rebuilding that which Jesus took down which the gospel has destroyed. We're all sinners. We're all equal. Now we know in the scriptures it's always been by faith. But Peter, don't build up a jail, a prison of religion. It's already been demolished. Don't make that mistake, Peter. Now we found, as we looked at earlier in 2 Peter 3, he realized his mistake. Peter was one of those that would be oftentimes quick to speak and slow to think. Maybe even a, we don't partake of certain foods because that's Jewish dietary laws. Well, the Gentiles don't partake of it. In this argument and discussion that Paul is having... I mean, Paul was filled with the Spirit of God. 
his argument is not against Peter, but against actions which hurt the gospel. So if anything hurts the gospel, irrespective of who the person is, he said, I'm not going to be a part of it. In verses 19 through 21, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The law cannot bring me to redemption ground. The law cannot bring us to resurrection ground. It can't sanctify me. It can't separate me from the the bondage of sin to Christ. We understand this. And I know these are some uh, potentially elementary or, you know, just more simple ideas, but uh, for I through the law am dead to the law. The law doesn't bind on me. I'm alive to Christ. There's, there's liberty. I was talking with someone recently, this past week, and, and they said, well, what is the difference? You know, everyone's entitled to, to believe what they want, and, you know, we don't want to offend people, and, and, and I said, well, <laughs> everything can't be right. Every belief can't be right. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, everything can't be right. And the Judaism, I mean, if you want to go with Judaism, it's like a, a lot of other religions. You have to go through all these incremental steps to merit some worth before God and hoping you've done enough. You know what the law did, and just a, a simple uh, review of this but what the law did there in the old testament like leviticus chapter 20 you know the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards um uh, leviticus chapter 20 verses 6 and 27 a man also a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death we don't put wizards we don't put these people to death today i mean you would find in leviticus chapter 20 he everyone that curseth his father his mother shall surely be put to death every time someone you know might tell off their parents they don't they're not killed today you know, and there's a lot of other rules. Leviticus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 21, Exodus chapter 35. All these rules that were in the Jewish system. You know, if an ox gore a man, if the ox were wont to push uh, with his horn in time past, you know, in Exodus 21, 28, 29. But if, a, if an ox is known to, to go against a person and injure him, if he kills someone, then that person, whoever owns that, you know, if they knew this, they could be put to death. Or they knew their animal was dangerous. We don't do that today. You find the seventh day shall be a holy day, a Sabbath rest. Again, that is Jewish. And all of these laws in the Old Testament all they showed to the religious pride of Israel is, hey, listen, we can't keep up with all of these. I mean, they did talk about adultery, but David wasn't stoned to death, as the law said. And this is what these Judaizers, and as Peter is showing this friendship with them, man, he's trying to undo all that Christ gave. And all of these rules and laws of the Old Testament, all they're showing is we're sinners and we need by faith to put our faith in God and the Messiah that would be to come from the Old Testament perspective. This law only ministered death. 
Saul was a man who zealously tried to keep it, but he is so against it. You know, in Romans 7, 9, sin revived when I died, this very idea that's here. I, through the law, I'm dead to the law. And you and I are dead to the law. I don't need to be brought under all these standards. Now, there are standards of right and wrong and holiness, as we've all been called to be holy. The law still exists as a standard, but it's fulfilled in another law, the law of love. I do things not because that's what the law is. I do it because I love the Lord and and I want to do it. I want to be pure and I want to be holy. But for the Jew, the law not not only existed as a standard, but it was also a system of life. The Mosaic Covenant. And it was given to Israel in three parts. First were the commandments to express God's holiness. Second were the judgments, their social life. And third were the ordinances that governed their religious life. The whole legal system was binding upon Israel. It was a religious system, a legal system. Now it was a theocracy. Theology, theo-godocracy, government. So it was a theocracy where God ruled. And someday we'll have that again as Jesus Christ rules and reigns. But he's trying to explain this. Paul is saying, I'm dead, dead to everything, dead to the law, dead to myself, but I'm alive to Christ. Verse 20. My position is that I'm in Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. We are identified with Christ. I don't want to be identified with some just religious system. Be identified with Christ. And in fact, the the verb here is perfect tense and noting that that is my continual, consistent state that I'm crucified with Christ. As he makes this statement, the Apostle Paul, to Peter in a very public fashion, he said, I want nothing to do with that whole Jewish law system. Now, the Apostle Paul would Later on, you know, he would, for Timothy, as Timothy would interact with the Jews, he would go for him to be circumcised. But, because he was ministering in Jewish culture. But there on the cross, in a crucifixion with Christ, is the idea that the law, he suffered the full penalty of the law. He was exposed to the horror of the wrath of God. And he makes something here. He says, nevertheless I live. When Christ rose from the dead, you and I rose. We have life. I'm not bound in deadness of the system. He steps from the grave. And his eternal stand on resurrection ground. And I identify with that. You identify with that. And then he also says, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So I am indwelt by Christ. Peter, don't you understand? Peter, what you're doing, and I know you're quick, and I know you're there in Jerusalem, and I know James is ascending, and James will be the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. 
And Peter, I know that God's called you in the whole Cornelius affair and the incident that happened, and God called you to go minister to Gentiles. And Peter, I want you to realize that resurrection, the death of our Savior, Peter, we're indwelt by Him. We're freed for Him. We're freed in Him. That law died on Calvary, Peter. All of the demands of the law were done on Calvary. Peter, I know we've got some young believers here. And I know that some of them have come out of some pretty horrendous lives. But Peter, let's disciple them. Let's show them what they have in Christ. Let's stop trying to nitpick over all the small. Maybe they say it wrong or maybe they do it wrong. Let's come alongside of them and show them the scriptures, Peter. You know, maybe they said, you know, as in the Old Testament, there's that shibboleths and sibboleths and, and they could figure out who was who by, you know, and they'd kill those. And, uh, you know, if they say it wrong or do it a little off, let's teach them, Peter. And the perspective is, verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Peter, we know that being right with God never came by the works of the law. The law only condemns. And if the law could, if the law could do something, Peter, then Christ's death was an empty death. Oh, Peter, Barnabas, men, God has something for us. This church is growing and God's doing a work and there's revival. I think it's time that we realize our identity in Christ. We realize that that system is dead. I'm no longer there. My friend, we got liberty in Jesus. The Apostle Paul saying this type of behavior is not allowed in this church. The, the, the rules and the rituals of the Jewish system, and you're going to try to push this on people, it's not going to be allowed here. As a quote, if it were possible for a man to establish righteousness by means of law, you know, this idea then Christ died for nothing. If the law could be an instrument of salvation and satisfaction, then Christ died uselessly. I mean, this, this is the idea here. So Peter, why don't we just get back to the freedom in Christ? We're Jews by nature. I was born a Jew, right? Peter's saying, Paul and Peter. But I'm not under that system. You know what, and so as Paul, you know, as he withstands him to the face, some might say, well, you could hurt his feelings. Well, okay, you can hurt his feelings. But he's going to hurt a lot of people. Because here's Peter in an elevated position, making foolish decisions. Barnabas, again, in an elevated position of prominence. As they're making decisions, they're going to hurt a lot of people. And as we as believers in this church here, you know, understanding, we'll have people that'll sometimes come in here that are pretty rough. Uh, maybe a little bit off and show them from the scriptures. And as long as they're not perpetuating hypocrisy, or not uh, apostasy, excuse me, 
the truth is it ought to take by word of God and disciple, and that's what is needed. And so there's a confrontation with doctrinal hypocrisy. And here in Galatians, the truth that we have liberty, I'm crucified with Christ, and Christ liveth in me. Amen. So we have a time of invitation with heads bowed and eyes closed. We won't have any music play this evening. We'll have a prayer time to follow shortly. And I just pray that just a time as you think about this very fact, you know, what have we been given in Christ about God not bringing us back into all of, Christ never, you know, never, he fulfilled the law. I'm not under all of that bondage. There's freedom, there's liberty, there's joy, there's peace in Christ. There's not the heavy weight of all these thou shalt and all the do's and don'ts. I mean, we understand there's a holiness where we follow it. But there's not all this stuff that's pushing us back into a system of Judaism that God never meant when Christ died and rose again on that cross. He died on the cross and rose again. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this evening, as you have a time of prayer, if you're watching this evening and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, understand this, that Jesus went to that cross because you could not be good enough. The law showed you you're not good enough. And what the law could not do, Christ did on the cross. He died and rose again. And I trust tonight that you'd accept him as your Savior. And Christian, that we understand that we could live by the word of God, not in hypocrisy, but moving forward to live free in Christ.